The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Welcome to A Guided Life Podcast, where we talk about all things spirit and life. I'm your host, Laura West. Follow me on Facebook at GuidedWest11, on Instagram at GuidedWest, and on Twitter at LauraWest111. I also have a website at www.laurawest.net where you can download a free guide on how to meet your own spirit guides. My book, Guided, is available on Amazon and it's about soul teams, intuition, mediumship, and spiritual tools such as oracle and tarot cards, crystals, pendulums, and so much more. My guest today is Sarah Doan Peace. Sarah is a speaker, kitchen coach, and joyful life advocate, helping her clients find joy and confidence in the kitchen and beyond. She has learned to survive and thrive through 35 surgeries and more, including paralyzed vocal cords and PTSD. While growing up in a quote-unquote foodie family, Sarah fell in love with food and connecting in the kitchen where she learned how to serve herself and others, while gaining confidence through cooking. She now teaches others how to do the same. Her mission is to help people live a joyfully delicious life with more confidence, incredible food, and gratitude. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am super excited to be talking with you. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. I am so grateful and honored to be here. I laugh because for us to get here, boy, wasn't it interesting? We had to like reschedule and things come up. But you know what? That's life. And here we are now. We're meant to be recording at this moment. So yes. uh, it's all perfect. <laughs> it Everything works out as it's supposed to. That's exactly right. Exactly right. So I would love to start by having you share with us the amazing things that you are doing these days. Thank you for asking. So I am a speaker, a kitchen coach, and a joyful life advocate. And so obviously I speak and then I coach people in the kitchen on how to gain confidence and joy in the kitchen so that they can cook and enjoy mealtime. And then that translates into other areas of life. And I'm a joyful life advocate because I know what it's like to go through a lot of pain and heartache and trauma. I think everybody does these days, but I, I really believe that if you have joy, then you can have a really good life in spite of life happening like it did for us the last couple of days. Right. Life certainly did happen and it will continue to. Yes. That's for sure. So, yeah, so such wonderful things, you know, talking about the, the kitchen and, uh, you know, a lot of happiness does come from the kitchen yes. health comes from the kitchen. Yes. Um, so, you know, I, I, I definitely see a connection there. So thank you for that great work that you do to uh, help inspire people to eat healthier, to be happier and more joyful. So it is. How wonderful. And I think a lot of it is, it's not necessarily quote unquote healthy as you would think it is. It's literally for everybody because every individual is different. And what's healthy for one person may not be healthy for another. And that's really part of my mission is to teach people how to cook, not only how to cook for them, but how to listen to their bodies so that they can make what their bodies need and want so that they can be healthier and have more joy. Because when you're sick, life just is it's harder to be joyful. And I know from firsthand experience because I've had 35 surgeries. Ooh, well, 
I would love to delve into that since you gave us a nice segue. Can you tell us uh, what happened? I was born with a congenital syndrome, and it's an acronym for a bunch of internal anomalies, which is a fancy word for saying my organs were kind of not all together. And I was born premature. I was born with a left kidney that was not working, and a disconnected esophagus. Consequently, it turned into part of a missing lung, paralyzed focal cords, scoliosis, and from all of that, of course, PTSD, because who wouldn't be traumatized after all of that? And I I say this with all glory to God, but I'm a walking miracle, and I am so very blessed and so very grateful to be here every day because I was not expected to be. And I understand questioning higher powers and not always understanding, but part of my mission, aside from getting people to be joyful and confident in the kitchen, is getting them to really figure out what spirituality and faith means to them because that's honestly why I'm here, Laura, is because I've had that faith. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is something beyond you and me and what we can see with our naked eyes and even what we can touch tangibly. You know, for somebody who has been through all of that and is making it through PTSD, you have such a pleasant and lovely disposition. You have such a positivity about you. How were you able to to find that positivity through all of that, I guess, hardships? And is it something that you're still working on? You know, I am a positive person, but the older I get, the more I would say I am an optimistic realist or realistic optimist because I do believe that positivity is important. Definitely, there's a connection between our mind and our bodies and our dispositions. And I've studied that in psychology and firsthand experience. So I've lived it and studied it empirically. So that being said, I do struggle. You know, like we had to cancel the other day because I had an asthma attack. And to be honest with you, the hardest part about that that day, besides having to cancel, which I didn't want to do, but thank you for being gracious enough and understanding and being compassionate. It's that when I couldn't take a full breath to not freak out and hyperventilate, like that takes a lot of mental energy and a lot of faith on my part because I knew I wasn't going to die. But when you can't breathe, literally, it is the most frightening thing. And so I have my moments. How do I stay positive day to day? I do work at it. Number one, like I said, I believe in God. I call it God. People can call it whatever they please, whatever works for them. I believe in angels. I believe in energy. I have a wonderful support system. And I am a big believer in therapy because I think it's the combination of all of that that has allowed me to not only survive, but thrive through everything. Such an inspiration, Sarah. Thank you so much. Now, you mentioned angels. I would like to uh, talk about them a little bit in regards to how they work with you. Have you had any experiences with your angels as far as seeing them, you know, seeing them or in dreams or, or anything like that? Yes, I have a couple, so I'll share with you three quickly. So first and foremost, when I was 16, I grew up in Reno, and we have pretty harsh winters there, and I was on black ice. 
and my car spun out on the freeway at 65 miles an hour. And there was nothing that I could obviously do, right? Because it's black ice and it was nighttime. And I literally saw my Aunt Patty, who died when I was six years old, so 10 years before that. I literally saw her stop the car. And I spun probably three or four times in a full, complete 360-degree circle. And then just as I was about to hit the median, I literally saw her stop it. And I've always been told... I know, I get goosebumps. I've always been told that I'm a lot like her. I look like her. I act like her. I love makeup like her. I've been told I'm dramatic like her. So I know that she's my guardian angel. And then my grandmother, who passed away now, which is crazy, about almost a dozen years ago, I know that she's my angel for sure. We talked about that a lot before she passed on. She was actually my spiritual mentor. She's the one that brought me up with God and angels and masters and the power of the word and meditation, energy, healing your body, that disposition you spoke about earlier. I really learned all of that from my grandmother. And some days I can talk about her not crying. Today's not one of them. (laughs) Um, It's the gratitude tears, you know? She was such... Such a force in my life for good and for wisdom and for truth. And I got the best of both worlds because my mother's very earthly and practical and common sense. And my grandmother was very spiritual. And so together, I got everything I needed. Of course, both could do both. But my grandmother really gave me that foundation. And I wasn't raised going to church. They would take me to any church I wanted. But my grandmother always told me to pick a master. And in my 30s, Jesus chose me. And so now I'm Lutheran, but I'm not your run-of-the-mill Lutheran because I believe that it is by faith and grace and love alone. And I believe that Jesus was who he was and is who he is because of the energy that he mastered. I also believe, yes, he saved me from my sins. That's my personal belief. But I believe he did that through energy and through working with his father and angelic powers that still surround us all every moment of every day. And so I have a little bit of a different take on it. Now, what happened when you turned 30? You said that he found you. So when I turned 30, I actually hit menopause, which is weird. I know it's really early, but I had a partial hysterectomy when I was eight years old. And so I was having all the symptoms. And I went to my doctor and and she said, you're in menopause. And I about fell off the stool. I was like, what? I'm I'm 30. Like, I'm way too young for that. (laughs) And she said, no, you're actually not because you haven't had all your female parts for like over 20 years and I just was like oh my god and so I fell into a huge deep deep depression and I've struggled with depression off and on my whole life it does run in my family but at 30 I just I didn't get off my couch for about a month and it was really really hard and I I had just earned my degree in psychology so I knew about it I'd studied it. I'd actually specialized in it. So logically, up in my head, I knew exactly what was going on. But I couldn't, like, get past that hump. And I will tell you, Laura, after 30 years of battling my body, I think battling your mind is 10 times harder. I would rather battle neck down 
all day, every day. If I had to, I don't want to, but if I had to, right, right. Then, then battle your mind because that's a whole different ball of wax. And so I just prayed because that was all I could do. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And I started to read the Bible, the New Testament, not the Old Testament. I don't have anything against it. I just don't resonate with it. And Jesus just kind of just was like, so I, you know, you, your grandma said, pick a master and I'm here. And I wasn't, to be honest, I wasn't open to it at first because I had all these assumptions about what a Christian life is and what the Bible is and what going to church is. And I didn't want to be narrow-minded and I didn't want to be judgmental and I didn't want to be judged. But I realized that Jesus chose me because he suffered a lot. He suffered a lot. So he knew what it was like. And so in my walk with Jesus as my Lord and Savior and as a master and as a master energy, Christ consciousness in my life, when I'm in a really dark place, mentally or physically, when I'm not so positive, when the depression is heavy, when the PTSD is heavy, I literally will sit and meditate on what he went through and the persecution and the pain and the agony and the harshness and the betrayal that he faced and how he always rose above it. And that I get goosebumps when I put it like that because that is a big part of how I've gotten through everything because there's a little secret, Lord. <laughs> the first 20 years of my life, I wasn't really out of the hospital very much. I was in the hospital more than I wasn't. I did have times when I was at home, but even then they were marred with illness and surgeries, like constantly. So when I moved to Vegas and I was like 20, 21, and I got healthier, I had to learn how to have life outside of the hospital. And as it turns out, sometimes it's harder. <laughs> because when you're in a hospital, your only job is to get out. That's it. You're waited on hand and foot. Everything is, you're served food. Everything is done for you. There's no worries. And I'll be honest, sometimes you get cool drugs. <laughs> now, I've never done drugs inside of a hospital. Never. Okay, I have enough problems. But the point is, as I've grown up and I've been on the outside, as I call it, for almost 20 years mostly, thank God, it, it's hard. That's why I'm on a mission to help people find joy and to find their faith and to find their confidence because my joy and my confidence comes from God and from the angels and from Jesus. My third experience with an angel was my mother, a little over five years ago, was run over by a drunk driver, literally. She was sitting at a stoplight on her way home from work at 3.30 in the morning and literally run over by a truck. I am not exaggerating. And I woke up at 3.46 out of a complete deep sleep. And I woke up and I knew something was wrong. And I woke up and I sat up. And literally 30 seconds later, my phone rang. And all she could say was, I'm in an accident, they'll call. And that was it. And she went unconscious. And five minutes later, I got a call from the cops. The thing is that I saw immediately in my head, 
I saw this incredible white light around her, just completely engulfing her, engulfing the car, engulfing the first responders, the EMT, the firefighters. And I said to God, okay, either she has to be totally okay or she has to be done because this is my mother. And I know that she would not want to live in a compromised state. I don't want to live in a compromised state. And I don't want to have to be the one to pull the plug. And so, Laura, honestly, everything that's happened to me in my whole life, I've never in my life, until that night at about four in the morning, Thursday, May 12th, 2017, had the peace of God come over me like I did that night. And I just knew that she was going to be okay. I just knew. And I got up and of course I went to the scene of the accident. We went to the hospital and of course she had broken bones and she was banged up, don't get me wrong. And she does still feel the effects of that. But she's walking, she's talking, she's alive, she's with it, she's cognizant. Every single day, I'm just so thankful because there again, she too, that should have killed her and she's alive. And like I said, I remember walking through the halls of the hospital that day, just knowing, just so peaceful. And it wasn't denial because I knew she'd broken her back, she'd broken her cheek, she'd broken her arm, she'd dislocated her hip, she'd punctured her lung. Like, she was in bad shape, but I just, I just knew. And I just saw the light of God around her. To be honest with you, I'm used to seeing that in my own life. I'm used to calling on that for me. But to have that for my mother was just the most beautiful, wonderful confirmation that God is real and angels exist. You mentioned that hope. And I talk in one of my episodes about my my dog, Cody, who became paralyzed. And that was the one and only time so far that I have felt that hope that you're talking yes. about, that peace, yes. that everything's going to be okay. There's no explaining it. It's just a sudden knowing. Um, and so until one has felt that, it's really hard to explain. I think you can, I think it's, uh, you know, you can try and describe it. And I think I said in my podcast too, it wasn't a hope like, Oh, I hope he's going to be okay. It was, it was real. It was like a real knowing that everything was going to be okay. And it's so peaceful. It is so peaceful. It is. And I really believe that people, I'll be honest, I understand agnosticism. I do. Because there's a lot in this world that, that I don't understand. Okay. But I don't understand how people that don't have any faith in anything, how they ever have peace. Because for me, you have to surrender, you know? And now I'm 38 and I've realized maybe it comes with living a little bit, but somehow, some way it all works out. You know, I really believe that if you're brought to it, you'll be brought through it. And I don't know the reason for everything. I don't know why my mother was hit at a stoplight on her way home when she was stone cold sober, you know, coming home from work. I I don't have the answers. To be honest with you, when I meet my maker, that will be one of my questions. (laughs) But, But the knowing, like you knew about your dog, and knowing that somehow 
it's just gonna be okay. Like, it's just the most heavenly, beautiful, ethereal experience. Absolutely. And uh, nothing can really persuade you otherwise when you're when you have that sense over no. you. No, in yeah. fact, when I was at the hospital with my mom, and I saw the x-rays and MRIs, I was just like, okay, she'll be fine. It wasn't denial. Like, I, my medical history, I knew exactly what I'm looking at. You know, um, yeah, it didn't look good. <laughs> I just knew. Yeah, not denial. Yeah, it's most definitely not denial. There's there's such a there's such a difference because you're fully aware of what it sh- what it what the outcome should be. You know, when somebody or an animal has gone through what they did, um, you know, my, Cody was given a five percent chance to walk again, and he he is walking now. And like with your mother, I'm sure her prognosis was it's touch and go, but yeah. uh, you know, and here she is. So it's more it's it's not denial because we're fully aware of what the outcome yeah. should be. But for some reason, we just know it's going to be okay. Yeah, it's so hard to explain. Exactly. It is. And I think going back to my grandmother, she got that feeling about me. When I was about two years old, she would meditate every single day. And she would meditate on me and my health and my healing physically. And to give you some context, Laura, when I was two, two and a half, I was on a feeding tube. I was on oxygen. I was on a trachea, which is a tube they put down your throat to help you breathe, which is why I sound like I do. My prognosis at that time was not good. And during meditation, her angels told her, she shall rise with healing in her wings and do great things. She told me that very often when I was little. And pretty much until she left this plane. And I didn't know for a long time what great things I would do, you know? But fortunately, now I know. I'm here to speak. I'm here to share. I'm here to talk to wonderful people like you who are also on a mission to help spread the word of love and faith and joy and hope because life can be really hard. You don't have to have gone through medical stuff. I mean, I think since the pandemic, we've all been traumatized. We've all had our world flipped upside down. I think if you made it to the spring of 2020 without a glitch in life, wonderful. But yeah, if it been glitched now, you know, we could say that that sucks. But the reality is, I think that's been a good thing because I personally find that people are more empathetic because there's a greater understanding. Because now you don't have to have been, quite frankly, on death's door to have had some really hard times. You know, I always say when you have hard times, you either go to God or you go crazy. And fortunately, I choose I God that. most days. Most days. Right. Knock on wood. <laughs> yeah. That's wonderful. Your grandmother sounds like a remarkable woman. She, she sounds like she was beyond her years because of the, the, her spirituality and her understanding. I don't feel like that was common with that generation. No. So um, what a blessing. She, complete blessing. She would be 92 now if she was alive, which is crazy. She actually went on a mission when she was 40. She turned 40 and she decided she was going to become a nun. <laughs> 
And so she literally sold everything she owned. This two story. You can ask my mom. She sold everything she owned. She handed about a year's worth of rent to my mom and said, here, pay the rent. My mom was like 16. Handed my mom the keys to her car said, here you go. I got to go to San Francisco. I'm supposed to go be a nun. I'm going to go live in a con different. You're on your own. And my mother was like, I'm sorry, boy. <laughs> my poor mom, right? Sixteen? Um, yeah. Maybe seventeen. She wasn't that old. But anyway, um she loved free about spirit, the- your grandmother. Yeah, very much free spirit. It was the seventies. You know? It was the seventies. So instead of the sex, drugs, and rock and roll, she went the other way. And the free um, love yeah, different kind of Yeah. Yeah. And so she lasted about six months. She realized that wasn't her calling. So when she came out, she went on this journey of like, okay, what does work for me? You know, I'm obviously don't want to be in a convent, but like she went and studied all the major religions and all the beliefs. And she went into like the angelic work and the healing arts. And it was the 70s, you know, so it was the time for all of that, right? She just kind of developed her own thing. And I, I will say that the one downside of that is that's why I'm not a toxic, positive person. Because growing up, I was not allowed ever to be negative, ever. And that's probably good. It probably saved my life. But I think that's why everything hit me at 30, because I spent 30 years stuffing all of the trauma and the crap and the anger and the resentment and the fear and everything. And I'd stuffed it down and I just turned around and the mountain was bigger than me and I couldn't move it by myself. But yes, she was definitely way ahead of her time. She definitely marched to the beat of her own drum. And I know, I believe we pick our parents. And in that case, I believe that I picked her as well because God knew that I would need her. I know most grandmas pray over their grandchildren. Most grandmas just love their grandchildren to pieces. That's not uncommon. But with my grandmother, it was definitely extra. And I still feel her presence. To be honest with you, it took me six years to be okay without her being earth side. Literally, it took me six years. And then I finally was like, okay, I can do this. And I never thought I could. You know, and I remember asking her towards the end of her life, what the hell am I going to do without you? Like, what am I going to do? And she was like, you'll be fine. You know, I've taught you well. I've given you the tools. And you'll know when I'm near. And so... You know, we agreed on some things. And I know when she's near. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. So she's pulled through with what she was going to... Oh my goodness. Could you share? Is it too personal? No, I'll share. So she died on 1-11-11. At 11-11 at night. No. What? I I, I swear. She planned that. Yeah, she did plan that. And so whenever I see 111 or 11111, I know that that's her. And it's the, the biggest way that I know that is I'll be driving in my car and I'll see 111 on a license plate. And I'll be like, oh, hi, Grandma. You know, I will smell her perfume very much so. 
Like, I won't smell it, and then I will. Also, when I'm cooking, to be honest, yes, I'm a kitchen coach, and yes, I can teach, and I do teach, and I'm good at it, how to cook. But for my own personal cooking, when I'm cooking, if I don't know what I'm doing, I'll be like, okay, Grandma, what do I do? And I literally feel her, like, on my right side, and it'll be... I don't hear her voice, but I just know. It'll be like a little more basil or a little less salt or three more teaspoons or, oh, not that much. And she really does help me in the kitchen. And I'll be honest with you, Thanksgiving is the hardest day of the year because that was our holiday, our thing. Every year we made Thanksgiving dinner together. We kicked my mom out of the kitchen. <laughs> my mom's a great cook, wonderful cook. Everyone in my family is a great cook. So I was going to be a great cook. But we kicked my mom out and we would make the meal. I get the turkey in the oven. And about the time I get in the oven, that's when I just... And I have a little breakdown. And I get it out. And I cry. And then I thank her and I thank God for the gift of her. And then I go get dressed and I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. It's just the yearly Thanksgiving cry is all. Is. Well, you know what else is interesting is that November is the 11th month of the year. So exactly. How and her birthday cool was in November. Really? Yeah. November what? Seven. Ah, oh, and seven is a great number, too. And so she entered and left on very divine days. And I do believe in numerology. And actually, my last, my life path is 11. And so I'm very aware of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no coincidences, only synchronicities. So what a great example of that. Exactly. Um, so I'm glad you brought up cooking because I think that's a great segue. Now, you mentioned that you got your degree in psychology. Things shifted though for you, didn't they? (laughs) Um, I still greatly believe in psychology. I was actually going to be a neuropsychologist and I love all things having to do with that. Like I said, I've studied, I specialized really in depression and then I've educated myself about PTSD from a very psychological, scientific standpoint. But to be honest with you, yes, a lot of full-fledged psychologists, psychiatrists, not therapists, that's different. They're wonderful and necessary, but that's different. They have no faith. And I will be honest with you, Laura, when I quit the PhD program, part of it was because I could not my own conscience, my own life path, my own upbringing, my own experience. I couldn't put myself in a field where literally 50% of my colleagues were going to laugh me out of a room for believing in God or something higher. I couldn't do that. And so, yes, things did change. I think it's the balance. I think it's both. I think having the earthly psychology, the science, the knowledge of what's going on in our brains, but then also bringing our hearts and our souls and our spirits and learning how to balance the two. And I think that that's why food has been my chosen avenue, because I can't think of a better way to do that. So how do you use food and how do you teach food and combine it with teaching joy? 
though for most people, it's something that we do every day, right? We all eat every day, whether we cook it, buy it, order it, Uber it, whatever, you know? So it's something we all, we all have to do. I teach people to cook for them because, you know, there's literally endless recipes and endless cooks and endless possibilities. But at the end of the day, you have to do what is right for you. And if you know what you like to eat, what brings you joy? You know, it's called comfort food for a reason, right? <laughs> it's called soul food for a reason because it's comforting and it feeds your soul. And that's what I like to teach people is start with what you like to eat. Start with what brings you joy to eat. Master that. Get really confident at that. Know what it feels like to experience the joy of that and then go from there. You don't have to know how to cook a lot. If you know how to cook two or three things very well and you get the techniques, then you can really cook anything. And especially these days, there's so many shortcuts and helpers and there's Google and then there's me, you know. And I do sometimes on-the-spot coaching. Part of one of my packages is I call it Kitchen 911 Call, where, you know, you can message me between certain hours. I mean, I'm not talking three in the morning. I'm not going to get out of bed. (laughs) You know, and you can like, oh, crap. This went wrong. What do I do? And I just coach on the spot because I think sometimes, like anything else, we have to get out of our own way, you know? So I just teach people how to know what works for them, how to customize their cooking, how to connect with themselves, their bodies, and their families, and experience joy through that. Because, again, you have to eat. Like, you can't not eat. So it might as well be joyful. So true. <laughs> so true. And yeah. I like how you narrowed it down. So I think part of the way that this all connects is it's life affirming. Food, faith, joy, confidence, that hope you speak about, the piece of it, it's life affirming. And that's really what it is. Because like I said, life is hard, you know, and it kind of we never know what's going to happen. I mean, there are people that do. I do believe in that. I'm not one of them. I don't know the future. That's not my gift. (laughs) But great respect for people who that is their gift. We all are endowed with beautiful, wonderful gifts. But the thing is that if you can have joy in the kitchen and confidence and know how to feed yourself and serve yourself and serve your family. That's very life affirming, literally and figuratively, physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. And I think that that's super important. So I don't necessarily go that deep with clients, but it's something that's kind of in the back of my mind. How beautiful, how how wonderfully said. Thank you. So I wanted to ask you, if you don't mind me ask you a question, with this podcast, and you can air this if you'd like, because I, I mean, obviously you can air whatever you want into your podcast, but what do you love about bringing all different walks of faith and belief and divine guidance to the world? What I like to show is that regardless of how we get to that belief, regardless of how we have faith, we are always guided and loved and connected to the other side, whether it's through angels, whether it's through guides, whether it's through past loved ones, etc. 
we have that connection, how we choose to connect with them and through what avenues, whether it's through religion or not, that's personal. Yeah. But the consistency is that we have help from the other side, regardless of how we get there. And so part of what it is that I like to do on this podcast is share people's different experiences to show that there isn't just one right way to connect with the other side and to receive receive that love and that guidance from the other side. There are many, many different ways in many walks of life. So that's part of what the what my intention is. That is so beautiful. I love that. And I genuinely couldn't agree more. Even though, you know, Jesus chose me and I categorize myself as Christian, I have no problem with anyone believing in anything good and positive that works for them. That's of the light, that's peaceful and hopeful and joyful. Because, you know, if you look at all the major beliefs in the world, be it spiritual or religious, in a box or out, that's what they all go for. And so I think a lot of people have this misconception that, oh, if I'm not this, then I can't have this. But they really all boil down to the same thing. It's peace. It's joy. It's love. It's there's something beyond. There is another side. There is something beyond this life. And I think that's a wonderful mission to have. And I'm so grateful and blessed and honored to be here and to be part of your journey and to have you as part of mine, because just having that gratitude, I think gratitude is more important than positivity. Because sometimes it's hard to be positive, And sometimes I don't think we should be positive. Like, if you're having a really crap day, and you can't see and you can't breathe. And you know, your car broke down and the dishwasher broke and dear God, okay, you know what? It's kind of a sucky day. (laughs) But guess what? You're standing up and you have a roof over your head and you have clothes on your back. So even then, there's something to be grateful for. So going back to what you said earlier, yes, I am positive, but I'm more so grateful. And I'm not a perfect person. I definitely am human. I have flaws. I have bad days. But I'm grateful. And I think my faith, and anyone I know of that has faith of any kind, be it religious or spiritual, that's the key component. It's being grateful. Because when you know within your own being, your heart, your soul, your energy, whatever you want to call it, when you know that there's something beyond this life, when you know that you are loved, when you know that you are not alone, and you know that somehow this is all temporary, it's really easy, quite frankly, to be grateful. Because it just helps you take it a lot less seriously. So I hope that's helpful. So helpful. Thank you so much for for sharing that. And so much of that really resonates with me uh, as far as, you know, having something to believe in and having that knowledge that we are loved and guided, but also being okay with not being positive all the time. Grateful. Yes, but you can be mad, right? You can get mad. You can get frustrated. That's okay. We're human. We're meant to have those feelings. But uh, knowing that 
despite having those bad days and, and having those feelings that we are so loved and guided, it really helps to take a lot of that pressure and stress off of our shoulders. It does. It takes a tremendous amount of stress and pressure off. And I know it's so cliche, but I do believe that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. For my own life, you know, not being able to breathe and speak without assistance. And I've had to relearn to walk. I've had to relearn to talk. I didn't eat my mouth until I was almost four years old. Having to go through all of that, I don't ever take anything for granted. You know, people have had it way worse than I have. Don't get me wrong. Like, there's so many, so many people who've had a hundred surgeries, who've had, who've, who've been paralyzed or are paralyzed, who've beat cancer. I have two friends that have beat cancer literally four times. Like, they're absolute walking miracles also. So... It's all about perspective, but my point is that when you go through the hard times and you actually go through them and feel them, it just builds your gratitude even more. And there's always something to be grateful for. And I I will say, I think that a lot of us take things for granted. And I think that that really is the killer of joy. Is You don't need an easy life to be joyful. You need to have a grateful life. And you need to have a faithful life. And that'll have a joyful life. And... That's why I've survived and thrived through everything. And that's why I'm on the mission that I am, because I do that every day. You know, I I do my best, at least, to walk my walk and talk my talk. And it isn't always easy. You know, I will always have, I call them acquired accommodations. (laughs) I don't like the idea of limitations, but I'll always have acquired accommodations. I'll always sound like I do. So it is what it is, but I can still be grateful. I can still have hope and I can still have joy. And if I can show people how to do that in the kitchen and beyond for five minutes or the rest of their lives, that how of it, I'm not really concerned about, but it's just that they get it. And I just hope and pray every day that God continues to use me for that because truly, Lord, it is for the glory of God. It's not for me. It's not because let me pat myself on the back. Oh, I'm so cool. Like, yeah, I'm a good person and I mean well and I do my best. But it's because of God that I'm sitting here talking to you. It's because of something so far beyond what's tangible on this earth. And that's, that's, I think, something, even if someone isn't religious, I think if they really stop and think about that, that's something that we can all relate to. So, you know, you have given such great advice already. Normally, when I end these uh, interviews, I do like to ask, you know, what advice would you give your your younger self? But I want to do something a little bit differently with you. I want to ask you, yes, what advice would your grandmother share? Oh, um, she would say, believe in the power of the word and never stop praying. And you don't have to be religious or Christian to pray. You can pray to anything, anytime, anywhere. You can pray to angels. You can pray to the earth. You can pray to the sky. You can pray to a lip gloss. I don't care. Just pray. Because really all that is, is calling on your higher self and being in connection with that. So she would say, believe in the power of the word and pray. And I do that every single day. I pray when I get up. I pray every time I get in the car. I pray before every meal. 
I don't pray before coffee or snack, okay? But <laughs> before a meal. <laughs> and, and of course, I pray at night. And on the days that I'm so busy and I forget, it, it's not as joyful. It's not as fun. It's not as peaceful. So power of the word and prayer. That's grandma and mine's best advice. Wonderful. Well, I want to thank you so much for that wonderful advice, for your thank sharing you. your amazing journey, and for thank your you. time, and for us finally getting <laughs> your flexibility yes, with, so with our schedules. <laughs> so well, thank, thank you, you so, so much, much, Sarah. Thank you so much. And you know, Laura, if anyone wants to reach out to me, I'm on Instagram and Facebook, Sarah Don't Peace Speaks. I do have a private Facebook group. They can send me a message, Sarah Don't Peace, and I can invite them into that. And then on Instagram, I'm also under Sarah Don't Peace. So lots of ways to connect with me. And I'm here to be of help and service to anyone that wants to have a more confident, faithful, grateful, joyful life. And it would be, and it is, my privilege and pleasure and joy to do so. So thank you, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. And that was another episode of A Guided Life Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, love and light always. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.